All right, thank you guys. Good job. If you have your Bible, go ahead to Psalms 1, please. Psalms chapter 1. Tonight we begin a new series um, called Walking Through the Psalms. And I'm excited to be with you, excited to kind of get back to a normal schedule. It's been, been great um, throughout the holidays and the Bible conference, uh, but there's always something good about coming back to the normal schedule. And so thank you for being here, being with us as we study together. I'm going to be honest with you. The Psalms have never been my favorite section of Scripture. I don't know why that is. My, my mind is uh, uh, very analytical, and I like things to be straightforward. And so when it comes to the Psalms, and it comes to poetic language, and when it comes to abstract language, it's just, it's tough for me. It's not my favorite. Uh, if you, I mean, you, you've been here a long time, you've heard me preach many, many times. I have not preached a lot through the Psalms. I would much rather usually preach through something like the, the journey of Jonah or the uh, uh, adventures through the book of Judges, through Samson. We stayed with uh, Samson for a long time, didn't we? Or maybe go through the, the life of Christ. That, that's where I feel comfortable. That's what I really enjoy preaching through. And the Psalms have always been something that I, I didn't focus on a great deal. That is until the last six, eight months. In the last six to eight months, I have uh, incorporated the Psalms into my daily personal uh, Bible study time. And so my day usually starts with one or two of the Psalms. And through that, the Lord has ignited just a, a passion for the Psalms and, and shown the, the glories of them and how they apply to our life. And so I just have really fallen in love with the Psalms, and I'm excited about walking through them with you. We will not look at all the Psalms because there's a lot of them. We're going to start with Psalm 1, but we will not go in order. We will be jumping around as time permits. One of the things I love about the Psalms is they are very diverse. There are seven different types of Psalms. There are Psalms of lament. There are Psalms of praise. There are psalms of hymns, there are royal psalms, there are psalms of thanksgiving, and there are psalms of trust. What that means is wherever you find yourself in life, if you're on top of the mountain or if you are down in the valley, there is a psalm for you. I love the fact that the psalms do not back away from what is real in life. Um, for instance, in Psalm 44, the psalmist says, awake, he's speaking to God, and he says, awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? Now, that's just talking true, isn't it? He says, God, are you asleep? God, do you hear me? God, do you see my pain? God, do you see my struggles? Do you, do you see what I'm going through? Because, God, it seems like I'm praying, but you're not listening, and I don't understand. And this is the opposite of what we do in churches a lot of times. In churches, we come in and we, we smile and we pretend that everything's fine, even when it's not. But the Psalms don't do that. The Psalms ask the question, why am I going through this? The Psalms ask the question, God, where are you right now? Psalms say, God, I'm hurting. I am struggling. And then the Psalms rejoice and they praise. And then there's confession in the Psalms. And so all the areas of life we see as we study the Psalms. In Psalm 1, we see the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. 
And so the title is, Righteous or Wicked, You Decide. Righteous or wicked, you decide. It is a wisdom psalm, and it shows us how we ought to live our life. So look at it there. Let's read it together. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, you'll see that it begins with the word blessed. Blessed is the man. The word blessed conveys the sense of happiness that flows from a sense of well-being and a sense of being right before God. We're talking about the idea of being content and being satisfied. It reminds us of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessedness is not deserved. It is the gift of God. Outside of God and his blessing, man is cursed, and ultimately it leads to a meaningless life. There is no contentment. There is no satisfaction. And I believe there is no joy outside of relationship with Jesus. The word blessed is used only to describe those who are believers. Nowhere in Scripture is blessed used to refer to someone who is lost. And so our state of living a blessed life comes first and foremost from our relationship with God through Christ. It is a permanent state of being. It is not a state that is based upon our circumstances. It's not a a state that's based upon where we find ourselves in life. You can be blessed and not be happy. You can be blessed and be going through difficult times in your life. And now while being blessed is a, a free gift from God, it is promoted by the acts of man. And so what we see here are some steps that we can take to make sure that we are living as believers a life of blessings, a life of being blessed. So first let's look and let's see what the blessed do not do. First one, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You'll see there's a progression. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of mockers. And so we see there's this progression where one comes more so in line with the life of sinfulness. There is a gradual effect, a gradual descent into evil as one walks by and then one stops and then one sits. It reminds me of the well-known song, been out a few years now, Casting Crowns, Slow Fade. You know the song? This is the chorus of it. It says, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. 
It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day because it's a slow fade. As you think about it, you realize how how true that is. James says this, it says, but each person is tempted He's lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. There is a progression to it. I think a good biblical example of that is David and Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11. Remember the story? The Bible says at the time when kings go off to battle, where did David go? Went up on his rooftop. Should have been a battle, but he goes to take a stroll around the rooftop. And while he's up on top of this roof, he looks and he notices a beautiful woman bathing. And he looks, and he likes what he sees, and then he begins to think. And then he has that woman come to his palace. And then he sleeps with that woman, and she is pregnant. And so then he's got to try to cover it up, and so it leads to murder. Now, on that day, he never thought that he would commit adultery and he would commit murder, but it is a slow fade. And I think what we see in Psalm 1, verse 1, is we see the path of this slow fade. Notice what it says. It said, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, counsel, we know it means to take advice or to take instruction or to take in teaching. But what we're not talking about is we're not talking about one who is sitting on a couch taking advice from someone. What does the verse say? It says he's just walking. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So he's just walking through his life, and as he walks through his life, he receives counsel from the wicked. And so my question is this, where do you get your counsel from? From whom do you receive counsel? And again, I'm not talking about you pull up a chair and you sit in front of someone and you say, tell me what I should do in life. You see, you receive counsel every day. When you put yourself in front of people, when you watch television, you are receiving counsel. And the television show you're watching tells you how you should be living your life. When you're watching commercials, you are receiving counsel. And the commercials say, if you want to be happy, this is what you need to buy. When you pull your phone up and you scroll through Facebook, you know what you're receiving? You're receiving counsel on what a happy life looks like. I'm reminded, I saw a deal on the news a while back. And they were making fun. There was a group of of three teenage girls. And they were at a baseball game. And the, the camera was on these, these young girls, and for 15 minutes, they were all curled up together, and they were taking selfies. You know what I'm saying? They had the phone out, and they were taking selfies, and they were smiling, and they would take one, and then they would look at it, and they would delete it, and they would take another one, and that one wasn't good enough, so they would delete it, and it went on for at least 15 minutes. Do you know what they were doing? They were trying to find the perfect picture to put up on social media. It's not real life. It's not what we're really going through, the image that we portray on our social media accounts. But every time we scroll through and we see these perfect pictures, we think, well, why isn't my life like that? They don't struggle. Why do I struggle? We're getting ready for Kaysen's uh, first birthday. Can y'all believe she'll be one next month? 
I, I can't believe. But so we're we're getting. And the other day, we're taking pictures for her little card invitation. Okay, trying to get a good one of a, a little girl that can walk now, and so she will not be still. I promise you, I took over three hundred pictures. I mean, I just, I held the button down. It just click, 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 trying to get a good one. And then I asked Brittany, I said, did we get any good ones? She said, I think we got two that are okay. And I said, that'll do. Let's use them. <clears throat> but but we, we try to make things look perfect, but they're not. And every time we scroll through, every time we turn the television on, every time we pass someone and they talk to us, we are receiving counsel. And so what he says, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And so there's got to be a realization that says, there is counsel all around me. People are always telling me how I should live, and I need to guard against that. But notice, he's just walking by. Nor the one who stands in the way of sinners. Stands in the way of sinners. He stopped walking and now he has stood still. What is the way? The way is the pattern of life. What does Jesus say? He says, I am the, the way. This is the way you should live your life. I am the, the, the way to get to it. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so now they're stopped, and it's not counsel, but he's standing in the way of sinners. There's this progression, and now he's thinking, which way do I want to go in life? not stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now we've stopped, and we're sitting down with scoffers. To sit means that you are in accordance with their life. It means that we are in existence with them. We are accompanied with them. Now there is no distinction between who we are and who they are. You see, what we, we notice is there is a progression. Notice now the progression of the people. It started, it started, what did it start with? Bless those who walk not in the counsel of the wicked. started with the wicked, and then it went to sinners, and then it went to scoffers. Do you know what sinners are? Sinners are those who have been found guilty by the law. They have been found guilty in the law, so they have sin in their life. Do you know what the next one is? The next one implies someone who is living in their sin. There is an inclination to their sin. The wicked, the sinners, and then the mockers. The mockers are those who are totally opposed to the things of God. And so even the people that we see here, there is a progression that goes into a life against God. And so what does the blessed do? The blessed guards themselves. The blessed says, I will not be around people of wickedness, and I will not be upon the life that leads to a life of wickedness. 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness and then Matthew says it so bluntly he says if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell I remember when I was a kid my mom would use this saying maybe you've heard it if you run with the dogs you're gonna smell like them too you ever heard that? 
And so the, the point was, if you keep the wrong friends, you're going to become just like them. And sometimes we, we take a message like this and a point like this, and we say it really applies to children and teenagers, but it applies to us as well. You show me your friends, and I will show you who you are. You show me the company that you keep, and I will show you your future. Your reputation at your job is defined by the relationships that you keep at your job. That is who you are. And so if we are around people who are living a life against God, then we are right there in the midst of it. And it leads to a life of hypocrisy. I've shared this a long time ago, but when I was, when I was younger, I was 16, 17, 18, I was working at a tire shop, discount tire right up the street, um, and I met this guy, and we were totally different, but working together every day, we became friends. Um, every Wednesday, we'd work together. We'd get off at 6, and church started at 6.30, and so I would invite him to come to church with me. And every Wednesday, he would say no. And every Saturday, we got off at 5, and he would invite me to go out to his party that he had every weekend. And every Saturday, I would tell him no. And so it just went back and forth, back and forth, until one Wednesday, he agreed, and he decided that he would go to church with me. I was excited. I've been, I've been working on this guy for a long time. And so he came, and we went to the service, and I was watching him. He looked like he was having fun. You know, it was a youth service, and uh, the music was good. The preaching was good. It just seemed like everything was working well. <clears throat> The next day, afternoon at work, after school, we were working, and I, I asked him, I said, man, did you enjoy church? He said, yeah, it was okay. I said, do you think you're going to come back? And he said, no, I don't, I don't think so. And I said, well, well, why? You know, if you had a good time, why wouldn't you come back? He said, well, y'all have got a, a leader up there on the stage, and uh, he's with me on the weekends. And he's at the same party I'm at, and he's uh, smoking the same stuff I'm smoking every Saturday. And so I really just don't see the point. He's just like me. And I, I know who he's talking about, but he's talking about a guy that was, was very gifted and a guy that he had a heart for the Lord. But what happened was he began to associate with the wrong people and he began to get in the wrong actions and he began to do the wrong things. And he tried to keep living the spiritual life on Sunday and the spiritual life on Wednesday. But on Saturday, he was something totally different. It was a slow fade. It was a progression that took him from the way God wanted him to be and the way that God wanted to use him, and it destroyed the purpose of God for a season in his life. We cannot go on life as usual, as normal, if we are keeping bad company and if there is open sin in our life. We can't do it. We can try. We can play games. We can put on a facade. We can put on a front. We can fool some people, but eventually it's not going to work. And so that's why it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is on the law of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So what the righteous don't do, we see, but what about what the righteous do? Well, we see the righteous delight in the law of God. Delight means to find pleasure. It means to desire. It means to find joy. You know what the opposite of delight is? The opposite of delight is duty. The opposite of delight is obligation. 
He says, blessed is the man who delights in the law of God, who is excited about being around the people and the things and the word of God. And so I want to just ask you the simple question, do you find delight in the things of God? And maybe you can just say, why am I here tonight? Are you here tonight because you're excited? Because we're opening up the word, we're we're singing praises, we're studying the scripture? Or did you come tonight because... You feel obligated. And because there's a sense of of duty in your heart that says, I ought to be there. See, there's a sense that you come and you say, man, I I just, I love God. I love the things of God. And I am delighting in his word because through his word, this is how he speaks. And I think one of the things killing the church today is that it's done out of duty. But where's the love? When it's done out of duty, there's no excitement. When it's done out of duty, there's no smile. When it's done out of duty, there's no passion. When it's done out of duty, there is no zeal. And so he says, blessed is the man who delights in the law of God. I like what John Piper says. His whole ministry is built around what he calls Christian hedonism. And it simply means this. It means that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You get it? God is most glorified in my life when I am most satisfied in him. Psalm 119, 97, it says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, 103, it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Our faith cannot be reduced simply to demands and resolution and willpower. It can't be reduced simply to someone preaching to you and saying, you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to not do this. There's got to be this relationship that we're longing for intimacy. The difficult part is, how do you make yourself delight? I mean, some of us, if we're honest, we're going to say this. We're going to say, I know I should delight in the law of God, but I don't. I I don't. If if I'm honest, some of us are going to say, if I'm honest, I know I should, but in my heart, I don't. It's one of those, I can't make you delight in something. There's going to be some food that I like that you don't like. There's going to be some television shows that I like that you don't like. There's no way for me to make you delight. And so you say, well, how do I do that? How do I move on from it? I would just say two recommendations. Number one, pray that God would change your taste buds. Pray earnestly and say, Lord, I know that I ought to delight in your law, but I'm struggling with it. It feels more like a duty in my life. I know it shouldn't be. So, Lord, would you change my desires? Would you change my taste buds? Let me to to love your word like I should. That's out of Psalm 119. This is what the psalmist says. He says, how sweet are thy words to my taste. Okay, how sweet are your words. But then he says in verse 18, he says, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. He said, your word is so good, it tastes so good. But then he says, open up my eyes, give me this taste bud that I might see the glories of your word. And so he's longing, he's asking for more. And number two, I would would recommend this, practice the spiritual disciplines. Some of you, maybe you say, you know, it's a duty in my life, but you're not even doing it. 
You say, well, I don't delight in the word, and so I'm not reading the word. Maybe if you would start, you would fall in love with it. That's how it was in the Psalms for me. It was one of those things, I didn't enjoy the Psalms until I got into them. And then once I got into them, the Lord, the Lord put this zeal in my heart to say, man, this is good stuff. And so maybe if we would practice the spiritual disciplines, okay, practice the things that God desires, coming together with believers in Christ, worshiping him, studying the scriptures, if we would just be, be honest and we would commit our life to these things, there would be a new zeal to it. And then one thing, we'll, we'll end on this. He says, it meditates on it day and night. Meditate, he delights in it, and because he delights in it, he meditates day and night. Now, some of us were thinking, that's tough. I can't even do five minutes in the morning, so I'm not going to do it day and night. And we say, well, this is, this is getting really tough. And so there have been different methods. Some have said this, every time throughout the day, when you notice yourself breathing, say a little prayer to God. Okay. Some have said, let me set my alarm clock every hour on my phone to go off. And when it goes off, I will think about the Lord. Okay, maybe, maybe that'll work. Some have worn the what would Jesus do bracelet. You remember that 10 years ago, 15 years ago? And every time you look down at the bracelet, you would ask yourself, what would Jesus do? That's good too. I have no problem with any of that. But I think there comes a point that it just comes natural. I was thinking about my day. My, my wife, she's a teacher. My boys are going to school. Kaysen is often with her, her grandmother. And so throughout the day, we are, we're separated. We're all in different spots doing what we're doing, you know, going through life, going to the hospital, going wherever it is that we find ourselves. But can I tell you that without even trying all day, I'm thinking about my family. I don't have to try. It's not an obligation. It's just I, I'll be driving down the road, and I'll think about my wife, and I'll pray, Lord, would you just give Brittany a, a good day today? Let her kids not to be too wild. Let her have a, a good day. And I'll think about Mason Maddox. They have, a, they have some classes that they don't like a whole lot. And maybe they'll complain in the morning. And so I'll just think about them. Lord, would you give them a good day in this class? Lord, would you let them have some good friends to play with? I'll think about little Kaysen. Lord, would you keep her safe? Let her to grow and let her know how loved she is. I mean, all throughout the day, I don't have to try. I don't have to force it. I'm just thinking about those that are the most dear to my heart. And, and I know you do the same thing. You've got a, a spouse or kids or family. And throughout the day, you're thinking about them. I think that's the picture that we see. You delight in the law of God. And as you delight, your love begins to grow, and then you find that you meditate on it day and night. Y'all remember this, maybe when you had young kids? I'll wake up in the middle of the night, and before I go back to sleep, I've got to go check on all my kids. Anybody else? Did you ever do that? And so it'll be like 3 o'clock, and I'll just wake up all of a sudden, and I just want to go check on my kids. And so I'll go back to their room, and I'll, I'll just put my hand on them, put my hand on them, go check on Kaysen, go back, and then I'm back to sleep just like that. I'm not trying, but just day and night, I'm thinking about my family. I think that's the point. You wake up, and you're thinking about Scripture. You wake up, and you're thinking about the Lord and what he means to your life. Let me ask you just to close your eyes and bow your head. And I want you to think about your life. Two things tonight. We see what the blessed don't do, and then we see what the blessed do. What the blessed don't do is they don't hang out with folks that will lead them to destruction.